What is up, guys? Welcome back to the Backyard Buckets podcast. In this one, we have Coach James Jansen from Davidson College. Coach Jansen just finished up his fourth season on staff. Prior to being at Davidson, he was working at Wake Forest as a grad student and volunteer coach, and now he's an assistant women's basketball coach at Davidson College. He's originally from Australia, so we get into a little bit of the European game and the different styles of play within the FIBA basketball, but we mainly are going to be talking about the tagging up defensive transition philosophy today we deep dive into a more tactical type of conversation x's and o's focused and i really pick his brain on this philosophy as i saw him put together a presentation on a coach tube or a coach's clinic and was really really impressed by the way he presented and i just had a couple more questions for him so i figured why not bring him on the podcast and kind of you know let the entire audience uh, learn about this philosophy again i really enjoyed this conversation it was a ton of fun just talking hoops with Coach Jansen. So without further ado, here is Coach James Jansen. Where are you guys at in your season right now, this crazy year? Obviously, COVID. Um, kind of just give, give us like a rundown of how this season kind of went for you guys. Yeah, so we're uh, we actually just wrapped up our, our kind of spring session today. So our kids going to their, their exam break. But um, obviously, for as for everyone, it was a pretty pretty unique year um in yep. terms of everything around around covid and all those kind of things um we we went into a season with a, a group we had a, a big group of seniors um several that had kind of some long-term injuries coming into the year as well and kind of had some high hopes on how we were looking at things obviously the the preparation a situation at davidson we, we we're bringing kids around the world around the whole country and so getting access to them early was was pretty difficult and um, we got rolling like everyone else. Uh, we actually played it in the Gulf Coast Showcase down in Florida. Oh, okay. First week okay. of the year, pretty tough. So we actually we you opened guys, our season with. Where'd you guys okay. stay for that? Um, so that was that was actually at. So it was at Florida Gulf Coast was where oh, it got hosted okay. um, this okay. year. Gotcha. Uh, a little different. So kind of stayed down the resort there. So we yes. we had the uh, we had the enjoyment of opening our season with. with uh, Three right. games against Maryland, Wake Forest, and Florida <laughs> Gulf Coast. So, yeah. which was uh, which was great. Had had several injuries coming in, so we're missing mm-hmm. a bunch of our better players. Right. Um, not the year we would have liked. Um, we ended up uh, for a good chunk of February having seven healthy bodies. Um, I think we only had one practice all year where we had five players able to go against five. Wow. Um, so I got a lot of scout team reps this year. All our coaches okay. did. You were soon um, up, huh? Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, we, we had to lace them up a little bit. Yeah. Um, so do that. And, yeah, ended up with kind of by the end of the year, four, uh, basically our top four scorers didn't play the, the, the last kind of month of the season and, and that kind of thing. So not what we're looking at, lo- yeah. looking for, but we're, we're kind of excited for the group we have kind of coming in and, and who's coming back. And right. everyone's on the men to, to being ready to go for next year. Yes. So did you guys get shut down quite a bit or. So we, we probably one of the very few teams in the country that didn't have a positive test. That, all year. Hey, so one of the two. Us so, two. <laughs> yeah. So we, we, we took a lot of pride in that. Some of that was, yeah. uh, so the Davidson campus being pretty small, right. um, we're in the 2000 students. Also, we, we had the luxury that they actually tested. We had all, every student back pretty much. Mm-hmm. And, uh, they tested every single student on campus once a week. Yeah. So we were able to keep it off campus really well. Right. Um, we only had a single shutdown um, from contact tracing okay. uh, from an opponent. 
Oh, um, that is so, that that, that is the worst, right? <laughs> yeah, well, and I know you, you so you had Ryan Gensel on your podcast, so, yes. so it was Dayton, but they, they got us. Oh, so, come on, Ryan. <laughs> so that was that was that only, uh, yeah, so they beat it and they shut us down to a double whammy. So, um, so yeah, that was the only only shutdown, really Hi. only uh, issues all year, which was which was good. As I said, obviously, lots of constraints around what your practices look like, and, right. Uh, particularly early days when they got to campus, having individual workouts is yeah. the only option and all those kind of things. But yeah, we actually got through pretty unscathed, which was, which was right. awesome. But right. I actually didn't have a single player apart from that, that, that game incident. We didn't have a single player even get caught up in contact tracing all year. Wow. So which is pretty big time. That is pretty big time. So I'm sure all That's the listeners can, can already hear the uh, Australian accent. So let's just, let's get back to the roots a little bit. How did you get started in women's college basketball? Um, you know, obviously coming to Davidson, talk about, you know, your kind of journey through coaching so far. Yeah. So uh, for Melbourne, Australia, um, I've been here, I guess, nine years now. So it's a pretty dodgy Australian accent, I will say. Not a good one. <laughs> Um, but yeah, it, it, I cop it from Australian players a lot about what it sounds like. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I was, I was playing and, and coaching in Australia and, and kind of working in a university down there on the, the academic side. And, um, at that point it was just, it was a lot to juggle. And, um, so I think it was 2012 decided I wanted to come over here for, for some further study and, um, let the basketball stuff kind of take care of itself a little bit. I'm like, all right, I'm done playing. Mm-hmm. I was 26 at that point. I'm like, all right, I think, I think it's time playing in that league for 10 years i'm like I'm, all right i think it's time for something different um and so i, I landed a, a academic scholarship to wake forest graduate program okay where i was studying and so i was kind of of the philosophy that like all right well I'll let the basketball stuff kind of come to me as it happens whether that be in a college setting or whether that be club basketball high school basketball just i, I was like all right i need to get get out of that situation and it was a lot of fun there i was just very busy and kind of working myself to it's almost bad health in a way. And um, so it was, it was kind of convenient when I, when I got accepted to Wake Forest, um, I got accepted in February, 2012. And then there was a coaching turnover um, that April, May. Okay. Um, so Jen Hoover took the job there yeah. as a head coach at Wake. And so I was pretty much the first email she got um, when she got that job. Hey, I'm coming to campus, mm-hmm. free help. Um, I'm going to be doing the graduate program. Obviously, be pretty busy. Happy to help however you want. Right. Nice. Um, so I ended up helping them for five years. So the wow. two years of graduate study, um, I was then kind of doing some research work um, down the road at UNCG and mm-hmm. uh, running a research study there, and and kind of stayed with the basketball path with with Wake, and so helped out there, and um, was fortunate enough that, that Gail Fultz um, was the assistant there. She got there the same time I did. Um, at Wake and she she got the Davidson job and was like hey do you like do you want to do this thing for real so yeah. while I was at Wake I was obviously helping out a variety of different ways kind of volunteer right. coach um, type setup and I was like all right you want to do this thing for, for real so um, so yeah we we got that that position in what is it May of 2017 now so yeah. we've been here four years and and yeah loving it did you know right away like once you started helping out with the Wake team that that's kind of the route you wanted to go in terms of coaching yeah, like I, I, it was kind of interesting. Like I've, I've always wanted to, like my coaching in Australia, I'd let more to the, the girl side towards my, my back end. And, and yeah. some of that was, it was funny. I was talking to an Australian coach about it a few weeks back. I was like, when did you go into the girl stuff? And I was like, actually, like I kind of looked back and put it all together. It was, yeah. 
Australia won the World Championships. I think it was 2007. I remember distinctly. Uh, I think it was in Brazil at the time. It was in, I think it was South America. Penny Taylor was the best player yep, on the court yep. game. I, and I actually grew up in the same area that Penny Taylor was from. She coached me in a bunch of little clinics when we were as oh, a kid. Wow. And, okay. um, and I was like, no, like, I, I, this is awesome. This is really cool. And so that's kind of what got me into the kind of girls' women's side. And uh, I love that. And then when I was awake, like, I was kind of on two paths. Like, I really liked the basketball stuff. And I was yep. kind of in the PhD route as well. So halfway through a PhD right. um, when I kind of took the, the position at Davidson. So it was something I was like, obviously, this opportunity. But it's, it's, it's not that easy to obviously break in as someone that's taken a pretty non-traditional path. So, yeah. Um, once the opportunity made its way, then yeah, obviously I'm, I'm all in on this and I'm mm-hmm. doing this thing. Nice. What have you found have been like the biggest differences in terms of the style of play, like, and that you can trust to be around your program and to represent your program in a really positive light. Um, so again, when it goes back to no job being too small, whether it was making sure that the projector was working before film and scout or making sure that there were oranges in the locker room, like our managers really did do a lot of that stuff. And for me, it was, you know, learning synergy, obviously this whole year and learning how to live capture practice and sometimes it not working and trying to figure out all the, you know, the back end stuff with the cable cords and the HDMI and all that little stuff. Like there's no job that's really too small, um, whether it was bringing the stools out on the court before practice um again like you got to be willing to do everything especially in times of covid where there aren't as many hands on deck so that was a really big thing and um you know i learned a lot in in terms of having to do um stuff that a director of operations would have to do on a normal in a normal year so i'm really glad that i got that experience because i definitely got a taste of what that's like and it's just going to make me more well-rounded for the future it looks like um it's completely changed by that and for, for context, like in Australia and in, in, uh, Melbourne, where I'm from, probably has some of the best junior basketball in the world, I would say, in terms of their competition structure. And uh, like you start with the shot clock, if you're this, among the better kids, mm-hmm. you start with a shot clock there in under 14s. So when you're 12 years old, you're starting with a 24-second shot clock. Yeah. And at that age group, it starts when you hit half court. Okay, so when you hit half court, it's – it's okay. the 24 starts. Gotcha. Once you're on the 16s on, you're playing with the 24, like for the rest of your life. You're just, like, you're that's what it looks like. And so obviously that changes like a lot of kind of what the game looks like. Mm-hmm. The spacing elements um, are, are helped by the, the longer three-point line, the, the wider lane. Like those are structural things about the basketball court that changes style of play. Um, when I first got here, obviously we, we were playing halves and, yeah. Uh, like the women's game's done an awesome job moving to quarters yes. and, and that kind of thing. Like that, I think that's really kind of changed the game for, for better. Um, and then obviously like just the ball movement um, in the international context is just so different. Like we watched a bunch of the games on oh. the live streams uh, the other day. It was kind of funny because the previous week was actually the under strain, sorry, the under 18 Australian national championships. Mm-hmm. And so watching some of that and, like you, you wouldn't even think those were the same sports. Um, what what yeah. we were watching, like the, the last kind of uh, two weeks. So I think that those are some things. Um, and then kind of stylistically, I think that the one thing is like, and it probably goes to most international basketball, like just with the constraints of the shot clock and the coaching and some of those kind of things, like the game looks very similar with everyone. Yeah. Whereas I think the difference here um, within the college structure, especially is there's so much variety in what 
the basketball looks like from game to game. And like, that's something we talk about all the time in the Atlantic 10 conferences. Like there's just so so much variety from week to week. And and this year we actually played the travel partner set up and like you play one team on a, um, so you might play a team on, on the Friday night, which was, let's say you play LaSalle. Right, so, right. You got you got Mountain that came there. He's running a five out. Motion. he was. I don't know. You know, he was my coach. Yep. <laughs> yeah. So like they're running like a, a five out motion, basically. They're shooting everything really quick. Yep. They're doing this and that. They're playing some funky defenses. They're doing yeah. it. Playing pretty quick. Like that's how they played this year. And then the yeah, next day, the buzz, played, the buzz down, yeah. right? Well, he's got the buzz. Yeah, didn't use it that as much this year, I don't think. But we used, yeah, well, we used it yeah. a ton. Uh, um, tap your so head. yeah, so you got that. Then the Sunday, you're coming out and you're playing St. Joe's, right. and they play like among the five slowest teams in the entire country. They do what they do. Mm-hmm. And it's just completely different. Like I think that's one thing that's really quite challenging as a coach in in this context is just over there. You know, okay, well, we got to be good at these things. We got to be great in bull screen. Got to be great in these things. Gotcha. Like there's so much. Um, within the college context here because of the variety stylistically. Um, but it's just, it's very unique, I think. Right. So, Would you say that scouting reports then are just way more, you know, like emphasized here because of the different styles of play or like compared to, you know, back in Australia? In terms yeah, I would of- say, yeah. I would say you probably, um, and then even like the professional level down in Australia. So I'm familiar with a lot, what well, a few of the WNBL clubs do and, I would say they probably put more emphasis on individual tendencies right. um, okay. in, in that, in that context. And, um, and kind of obviously, yeah, they'll go through a few sets or whatever that looks like, but um, here there's probably, you probably have to put a little more emphasis on like, Hey, this is like literally a completely different system of basketball, right. what they're doing. That's, that's the um, struggle. I definitely, for me this year, yeah. like in my first, in my first year, obviously adjusting. So we played back to back games. So we would play yeah, Friday, Saturday, or Saturday, yeah. Sunday. So, yeah. you know, it would be home, home, or away, away, whatever it was. Yeah. So that was really interesting. And I think it was obviously harder on the players just physically. But yeah. it was actually kind of nice because you were only prepping for one team a week. Yeah. So obviously, you know, the night of the game, though, right? So if we played at 7 p.m. and then played at 7 p.m. the next night, like, you That's know, you're off, like, clipping that game and getting film ready for the next morning. You don't have a couple of days in between. So that was interesting. And it was kind of like a battle of coaching adjustments, too, right? Like, what, how many, how many changes can you make in 24 hours or do you even want to make? Right. Cause that's, that's a really short turnaround time. So that was really interesting uh, for my first year, at least doing it that way. Yeah. I, I was interested. Like there are obviously a few leagues that did it that way. We, yeah. we weren't one of them, but like observing the leagues that did it that way, it was kind of shocking how often you'd have like a blowout one direction yep. on Friday, blow out the other direction Saturday. Like, like, we definitely, we definitely felt that. Yeah, we'd play yeah. great one night and be, you know, we don't need to change much for the next, right? We're good. But yeah. then, you know, the next day. All right, well. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Completely different. So that was, that was interesting. But all right, shifting into our main topic, obviously, of the tagging up philosophy. Was that something that you kind of, you know, implemented into your coaching back in Australia? Or was it something you kind of discovered here? Can you just give a little, a little insight into how you kind of came about, about it? Was it a staff decision at Davidson? Or was it something that you kind of always believed in before we even get into what it is? Yeah, so really, it wasn't something that was that common when I was back in Australia. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd become familiar over the previous few years of like some teams adopting it a little bit more um in the junior structure in australia there were a couple of the youth national teams that that went that route um but really like what we kind of did a bit of a debrief each year we've been here after the season of what 
what we felt we did well, what we felt we didn't do well, and what we just found really challenging as coaches. And um, after that second year, we actually had a really successful year um, where we'd, we'd kind of been picked 11th in the conference, and I think we finished fourth um, at the end of the year, which was pretty big growth from a team kind of where they were at. And we're like, but the one thing that, like, when we're talking about scouting, we're talking about this and that, like, we just had a lot of trouble and confusion with defensive transition. And like, we, we just, the, the kids didn't, didn't really, and we were like, we're obviously not coaching this real well. So the really tough phase of the game, like let's like critically think about how we can do this differently. And a lot of the stuff we do is, is designed to kind of allow freedom for our players um, kind of not minimize the choices, but kind of constrain the ideas of what they need to do, um, which allows them to make quicker choices Um and just just a little bit more kind of black and white to some things. Obviously, there's a lot of gray in basketball. Right. right? There's lots of areas that's gray that you can't yeah. change. But if there's some areas where you can remove some of that gray, that's helpful. Right. Um, and so I, I remembered kind of hearing some stuff from Aaron Fern, uh, who kind of came up with the system the previous year and had a lot of interest in that. And it kind of made intuitive sense to me. Spoken to some of my friend coaches that had kind of adopted it previously and they'd really enjoyed it. And so we talked about it as a staff. We had a bunch of conversations with those people about how they went about it, what it looked like, um, all those kind of things. We didn't, we weren't aware of anyone in, in women's college basketball that had done it. Um, and so we're like, all right, well, let's, let's give it a shot. Right. So right. Yeah, that's how we got to it. So the ultimate goal of it was just to improve initially, right? Your, your defensive transition. That's really what the, yeah. why you guys chose to go with it. So can you get into a little bit, obviously just talk, talk to us about it. What kind of is the philosophy? How does it work? And then we'll, we'll dive into the nitty gritty of the, the details. Yeah. So, so basically like I, I kind of call it a, a system of ending offense and starting defense. I like that. I, I like the way you put that. Yeah. So I think that's, that's the way to look at it. So a lot of people will get kind of, hung up on like the offensive rebounding side uh, a lot. Like that's probably the, the bigger like area when I've spoken to people about it or they've, they've heard things. It's like, all right, like tell me about the offensive rebounding piece. It's like, all right, well, we weren't really concerned with that. Right. Like we felt like we rebounded the ball pretty well offensively that year, but we wanted some clarity from a, a defensive standpoint. Um, so the, the basic premise is that when a shot goes up from your team, um, you were essentially then guarding who was guarding you. So that's, that's kind of the, the best way to, to initially describe it. So shot goes up, obviously that's usually a matchup. Maybe there's been scrambles, whatever. Ultimately, someone's going to challenge a shot um, functionally, and then you, you're going to have someone that's directly in front of you. Um, so that's kind of the, the initial premise. Yeah, I, I definitely, when I first heard about it, I, I was like, oh, offensive rebounds. Like that was where my mind went to when I first. So then I'm like watching more and listening more. I'm like, oh, it's not. The, the real goal is the, the transition piece, the defensive piece. And the offensive rebounding is just kind of a byproduct of the transition, the, of the philosophy, right, essentially? Yeah, and it's really about, it. like I, I think the way that I think about it, it's, um, it's doing something in defensive transition that does then not, compromise your offensive rebound right so some teams will have the philosophy and it's that they're among some of the best in defensive transition we'll have the philosophy of let's just send five people back right right so mm -hmm. that yeah absolutely that helps you and if you look at the um the kind of best teams defensive transition wise often many of those people are, we're going to send five people back teams yeah right and that's that's great so you can absolutely go ahead and do that but 
there's the counter argument that now you're not offensive rebounding the ball. And at some point there's, there's some weighing up on on what the benefit of that is. So really our kind of thought of it is that it's kind of the best of both worlds. So we get to do the defensive transition piece at a really, really high level. We get to build pressure. So we get to apply pressure. and, And that was something that our first year, I think really kind of shocked some teams. Um, and then we also get to offensive rebound the ball if we do this well as well. Like we're in the vicinity, we're around, we're there, we're doing this thing. Right. And um, but most people would think that when you send five to the glass, right, the initial thought is you're vulnerable. Yeah. Now you're vulnerable. Who's who's getting back? I know. Like like hearing that at first, I was like, but then yeah. So can you kind of explain and talk to that uh, argument a little bit and why that's kind of it's actually the opposite. Yeah, so the like first principle in terms of the um, kind of the nitty gritty of it is that you every player wants to get to the high side of their play. So when we say the high side of the, that player, it's generally the side towards the middle of the floor. Okay, or if you're obviously in the corner, the high side would be towards the other side, like the other end of the right. room. Towards the um, yeah, so if you were to go to the undersides, so that happens a lot in, in offensive rebounding contests, someone goes to the underside and then tries to get this offensive rebound. Well, now you're exposing a numbers situation going the other way if you don't get it. So just that premise of getting to the high side allows for every single person to be accounted for. And in theory, every single one of them has someone between them and the hoop. Okay. When, when the the rebound the defensive rebound eventually happens, a score eventually happens. Um, now, because you're sending someone to each player, the person that defensive rebounds the ball always have someone in their vicinity. Okay. So there's always someone right next to them. Now, that may have been a contest, so they've had to, to kind of work to get that rebound a little bit more than they, than they should have. Or maybe we got there a smidge late, but they've got someone there. And now that outlet's a little bit challenged. Now they have to think about what they're doing. That first 0.5, we talk about a lot, first 0.5 seconds after they get that rebound, if we can be disruptive on that, mm-hmm. then you're going to have numbers back and you're going to be just fine. Right. Um, so we're able to slow people. That person that's got in the ball, they do a really good job. Obviously, that that person's not now putting the ball on a deck and taking off. You've stopped that piece of someone starting transition, which is a really dynamic way to, to start a, an offensive transition possession. You've got rid of that. Um, and so I think that's where you don't become vulnerable um, from the sending yeah. five people piece. So when you are teaching the high side, I would assume too, is it when you're first teaching it at least, do players kind of run past their defender sometimes to go get like, where do you, what do you guys teach? Like if you can go get the rebound, just go get the rebound versus staying on the high side and waiting. Do you find that players like initially are just tempted to kind of just go kind of run past as opposed to staying on the high side? So with that, with a couple of players, one of our players, um, Sarah Donovan, Canadian girls are, are, elite offensive rebounder, um, really good feel for things. And mm-hmm. she was probably the one that the first couple of weeks had the most trouble just um, just trying to understand it a little bit. Right. But like, I think that it's like, yes, that is an approach to maybe get an, a rebound individually. But like when we look about it as a system, so maybe some teams would be like, hey, we're sending two back or mm-hmm. we're doing that kind of thing. Well, that's like three people that then have a chance. And maybe you've got a slightly better than 50% chance for those three of getting the rebound. Maybe it's you're totaling 180%. Okay. If you add three sixties up. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, like if we get five 50, 50 contests, 
because we're now high side, we're equal with someone, we're in that space. Well, that's 250%, <laughs> right? So that right. we've kind of improved that as well. Now, as someone gets better feel for getting high side and then seeing like, hey, you've ultimately got to go get the ball. There is a rebounding contest. This is how we scrum. This is how we battle. Yeah. Uh, this is how we eventually get the ball. Um, then obviously your offensive rebound increases. And I think that some players get a better feel for that. Um, I would say probably the part where um, some of the players that don't do it as well or early days mm-hmm. is instead of getting high side, they'll just run to the back of someone. Gotcha. Um, and then okay. you're not creating a 50, 50 contest at all. You're right. giving them a rebound. You're, yeah, you're tagging up, but we're losing that offensive rebounding piece. And I think that's something that we got to continue to do better. Um and kind of hold people a little bit more accountable to yeah. is not running to the back and actually like truly getting equal 50, 50 with someone to create that contest. So when and the get- beauty about it too, right. So like, so like we talked about kind of finding someone um, to, to kind of be, be scrumming with, to be 50, 50 with, to be tagged to yeah. the beauty is, well, what are you coached to do as a defensive rebounder? Right. Right. You're coached to go find that kid. Yeah. <laughs> go box them yep. out. Yeah. So they find each other. So it's like, right. it's actually not that challenging. It's not like, oh, I got to figure out who I got to. Well, he should be coming like, towards you. Right. Yeah. Like they're coming towards you. Like I've been told since they were six years old, go box that kid out. <laughs> um, so there's this, and we, and like, I've had some people say, oh, well, like it's really hard to figure out who, who you tag to. Who, well, we don't say the same thing all that much on a defensive rebounding contest. We just say, yo, you got to do that. Yeah. <laughs> right? Like you got to right. like, box that kid out. Like go do that. Yeah. Um, and so, so I think when, that's one thing. Yeah. So when your player, let's say you're 50-50, you're even with them. If she oh. leaves and starts to leak out, you're going with her. You're forgetting the rebound. You like it's, yep, you go. Oh, God. Yep. Gotcha. So you go and you do, like, obviously there is a, a period of, like, lag maybe at some right. points where, yeah. like, that kid leaves and you're still around a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's what that first point five is about on the ball. So, like, let's say – kid's been in that rebounding contest a little bit, gets out of there. Well, if you do a terrible job on the ball, then, hey, maybe that that small little lag you got would would open them up on the backside. Um, if you do a good enough job there with really the, the person on the basketball, then you're in, in kind of good shape. Right. Did you ever find that? So I know with us, like when we have really quick guards – who, you know, we sometimes I think our initial like scout would be let's get back, stop the ball at the three point line so we don't get blown by. How did you guys kind of teach? I know you had something called like the plug, right? Is where everyone else is kind of forcing the ball going to one direction to kind of avoid somebody just right. If your post player picks up the fastest point guard in the league, sometimes, right? Even if she tries yeah. to guard and stay in front, it's almost impossible, right? So, how did you kind of funnel in terms of stopping? Yeah. The- so, the the biggest thing, and we've had a run and jump in in the past where it's like mm-hmm. you, you've got to kind of force sideline and, and then get them to turn back middle. Kind of the, the tagging up principle is the opposite of that. So you have to funnel everything towards the middle of the floor. You don't have, you don't really have plugs and help to the outside, mm-hmm. um, whereas you have plenty of help towards the middle of the floor plugging in different areas. So to me, the best way to think about it is really it's just like a full court pack line defense, right? right? So it's like a full court pack line defense, like you're, in a gap, you're in those spaces, you're, you're taking up that area, you're obviously squishing as a group mm-hmm. as they come down. But really, when that player has the ball, um, they should see like five bodies in front of them that there's no ability to, to do anything with. Yeah. Now, if they kick it ahead, yeah. now, hey, we're plugging from that spot. And I actually had a, a visual, our first year, we were kind of 
trying to talk about um, kind of just the concept of plugging and really them seeing all five people in front of them. And it was a great photo. I'll probably send it, send it your way of, uh, yeah, you of Giannis, uh, <laughs> of, of Giannis uh, being guarded by the Celtics. Okay. And he was at the top of the key. They were like running five out offense. And he just literally saw all five people. Like there wasn't a, anywhere to go. Right. Um, and I actually think we've done a really, really nice job um, of handling quick guards, provided we haven't let them go sideline, which has happened a couple of times. But for the most part, like we played, like Maryland was our first game of the year. They were running up scores on everyone all year. Um, and we hadn't done a great job without taking up prep for that. But like we, our first to- half of that game, they had a lot of trouble. That's, that's a really talented basketball team that I think they – it's got maybe 37 points in the first half of that game. Yeah, they, got the ball. Basically, yeah. they were basically yeah. scoring 100 on everyone. And so, <laughs> right. um, so I think that was good. Like we've had other teams that have, um, there's another example, SEC school we played last year, mm-hmm. um, way more athleticism than us. Um, that's kind of seen what we did on film a little bit in terms of not getting back in transition, yeah. not getting back in trans. Yeah. And they thought that they were going to just run all over us and, um, our tagging up just stifled them completely um, in that in that phase of the game, and it got to the point they actually put in tagging up this year. So wow. I've had a bunch of calls with them. They're friends of ours. Nice. Um, they they kind of tried it a bunch this year. I I haven't spoken to them about how it's gone. It's kind of late part of the year, but yeah, it was so effective against them. They're like, this is something we need to do. Right. So I watched a few clips of you guys. I watched your 2019. Um, and yeah. then this past season. And another thing I noticed too, which you mentioned um, in your clinic was if the right, the rebound goes up, we're both high side 50, 50. There's a lot of times when the ball is getting deflected and sent out of bounds and it's a yeah. dead ball. Right. So can you kind of talk about, is that something you emphasize with the players? Like if you can't grab it, just tip it out kind of thing or. Yeah. Yeah. So like really your goal is to like get a fingertip to the ball. So like if you can get a fingertip to the ball in a 50, 50, then that's slowing defensive transition. Like no one's able to run from something where the ball spilled loose. Someone's had to go chase it down. We've now got five people back. That's great. Obviously dead balls are great situations where now we can set a defense. We could even change a defense at that point. Um, We could get in a a press. We could do whatever we need to do. So an offensive rebound is obviously the best thing that can happen, but really the second best thing that can happen in a tagging up situation is the ball being tipped out off us and it now being their ball from a baseline out of bounds going the other way. Um, so, yeah, we, we absolutely emphasize that. Nice. So then when the ball crossed half court, right, you slowed yeah. it down. How like how soon is everyone trying to get back to their matchup? Is it just as soon as possible? Are you just game by game? Are you okay with the matchups not being the perfect matchups? Or how do you kind of emphasize the players getting back on the appropriate player or, or not? Yeah, I think it depends a little bit. And, and so this year, to kind of touch on this year a little bit, like we, our kind of best group that we would have had on the floor um, have a good amount of length and a pretty similar mostly from kind of the two through four spot especially. Um, and the, the way our injuries played out, we ended up playing a lot smaller, I would say, and a lot bigger than we would have liked. Like we lost a lot of those kids through the middle section um which probably limited a little bit how effective we could have been right. in this stuff like I, I think you do need certain Versus profile of a team to be able to do this um but really the objective is for you to guard who you're guarding mm-hmm. until there's a logical time to switch okay so it's not that you're really getting back and 
maybe you've done a great job and it's been in trance and you're able to like kind of trade each other off when that's yeah. going on. Um, but the most part, you're guiding who you're guiding until there's an action, until there's an opportunity for you then to trade off people. And like, I think where it becomes most challenging to do that is when the opponent is switching on the other end. So if an opponent is switching a one five ball screen, right, right and now you end up with your five on your one and your one on your five, those are scenarios that, yeah, down the other way, you need to have a little bit more urgency on what that looks like to trade right. each other off. Did you feel um, like teams tried to take advantage of that, knowing that your mis- your math- matchups would be maybe a little bit skewed coming back? Um, so to be honest, like I, I think our first year of doing it, um, and I think some of that was it was new, and some mm-hmm. of that was um, because we did have really similar players, yeah. like in terms of size across the board. Like it wasn't that evident that, hey, okay. we have a small person guarding someone. It wasn't like an autumn, year, everyone in the gym was like mismatch, mismatch. Like, yeah, like, yeah, like it's, yeah, like we had a, a five, six, five, seven kid playing at the two okay. spot this year, some of the year. It's like, okay, well, when that kid's on their five, like it's pretty clear what's what's happened now. But that happens in normal transition too, yeah. right? Like right, that's, exactly, yes. Like exactly. if you're, a lot of teams will send their, their little kid back. It's like, go get to the back of the room. Oh, right. Oh, Right. Shoot, here I am. That's yep. like, that's what I'm dealing with. Um, so I, I think the first year, I don't think people really knew what we were doing um, at all. I think this year they probably had a little bit better of a feel. They've watched uh, your clinic. That's why, right? <laughs> maybe, maybe that's what happens. Um, yeah, maybe I shouldn't have done it. But, no. <laughs> um, but yeah, so, so yeah. this year, I think there were some examples where some teams were able to like hurt us a little bit for some choices. Mm-hmm. Um, that I think were twofold. Like some of it was like, hey, when you're playing seven players, it's a pretty demanding way to play. Yeah. And the type of the seven players we're playing was was problematic, along with your practice time, right? Like I right. think that this is something that's really, really easy to do when you've had like enough baseline reps of doing it. Mm-hmm. So like, because it's just what you do every day then, right? It's not like, it's not like you're doing a drill. It's like, we never do a defensive transition drill. Right, like there's never anything where we do a defensive transition right. drill because we know what we do defense, like we don't have to figure it out, like it's a system. We always do that. Yep. Any drill that's an offense drill is at the start a defensive transition drill, too. Mm-hmm. It's a system of ending offense and starting defense. And so when you get those reps, it's fine. Yeah. Now, when it's our three assistant coaches playing <laughs> playing in the practice, like it's they're just not getting those reps that look anything like what it needs to look right. like. Um, and so our ability to practice it this year was a problem. So I would say like there's a little bit of that. I think we can get better at um, at kind of making people do one more thing. And I think we got better at that as the season went on, um, of yeah. switching it at logical moments and those right. kind of things. So that's a that's an area of emphasis as we move on in next yeah. year. Yeah, and I don't know how much evidence there is to say this either, but in my opinion, I feel like how many teams are actually really good at attacking like a switch in the post anyway? Like you want to come up and run their normal sets, right? So it's almost like that's kind of taking them out of their flow. If they're going to stop their entire play or their entire right transition offense to try and attack a switch, which they don't do often probably. I I mean, I'd like to see how successful that would be, you know, in the first few seconds of the shot clock anyway, like it could almost be, a smart way to play it and make them. Well, do I agree. And I, I think there's an element of like, and we've obviously tried to switch and we're scrambling. It's like, how much do you just like, obviously equip the players to handle the situation? You're like, Hey, if you're a little person, like let's front, let's yeah. make them do yeah. one more thing. Yeah. And like, is that actually better than worrying about trying to find right. ways to like conveniently switch right. anyway? Cause 
Like we've had absolutely had times and I can think back many a time this year where our little person was the person guarding the five and it resulted in a turnover. They try to do too much. They try to throw the ball away. and Yeah. And too, like I just, just thinking just right. But like two, most, most teams and their, their short shot clock and some sort of ball screen anyway. Right. Typically, I don't know. In, in our league, they do high ball screen, wing ball screen, middle ball screen, flat, like, if you already have that mismatch, right, one on five, five on one, a lot of teams don't even recognize she's still going to go five, still going to go set the ball screen. You just switch. And now you're actually, you have your ideal matchup that you you're want. Back. Yeah, you're just right. Back in your so yeah. that's, I mean, I, I think at some points it kind of could work to your favor in terms of throwing yeah. the other team off a little bit and kind of confusing them. I never, I thought about it that way a little bit, but. Yeah, it'll be interesting. Like, I think we're, we're tracking right now to start, like, I think our starting point guard next year is going to, she's going to be one of our returners is, is kind of five ten, And so like, yeah. we, we're probably going to play most of our groups at a five ten and up. And so like, I, th- I think like, at that point yeah. oh, we're, yeah. we're, we're, we don't have, like, we haven't really recruited that way. We like right. know how we want to play. And mm-hmm. I think we're going to have one kid under probably five, nine this year on the roster. So that makes a big difference. Like obviously yeah. when you know the way you want to play the game, um, we're, we're kind of at that point now where that's going to kind of come to fruition a little bit. Gotcha. So. Do you guys, what do you do off of a free throw? Just curious. Like imagining, right, if we're on, if we're, we're shooting that yep. position that you kind of wedge your defender on a free throw, is that kind of that 50, 50, just trying to picture that? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. That's yeah. So, it, and it's, it's obviously like, you've got to find the, um, like there's usually one loose person that has to do that job well. And I think that the, the other part is like, you'll see a lot of teams and that kid, like while free throws going on, those yeah. two kids are like, freaking standing back somewhere yeah. <laughs> like just nowhere to be found kind of right. deal so no like you gotta be somewhere to be active and be involved in this thing right now mm-hmm. like if you think about it, okay let's say this free throw was to decide the game and you had to get an offensive rebound right. to get like to get an extra possession to get this game to be a win that's what it's going to look like like you're gonna be up on the line ready to go yeah. in this situation um a little bit more so that's something we probably need to practice a little more as well um but yeah like it's that's pretty natural Gotcha. And then against the zone, it's, it's similar. You're just finding the K closest to you. Yeah. Like, and I think, I think against the zone, it's a little trickier. Yeah. Um, it is in the same way that people talk about, Hey, it's tougher for them the defensive rebound right. in a zone because yeah. they don't know who they're like. Sometimes it's not as clear, but um, we've had some kind of guidance for the kids that, Hey, like if you're in these kind of areas, like as a rule of thumb, like you may not know who your guard, like who's guiding you right now. But like, if you get towards the elbows, you'll probably find out pretty quickly. Right. So and that's kind of to box, like we said earlier, right? The emphasis. Yeah, they're going to try to box you out, and you're going to be able to generally find someone with that as well. So uh, I think that's an area of growth. Like, that's definitely a question we had originally mm-hmm. with this: is like, what do we do against the zone? And um, and I, I think we were pretty good. It was actually, um, and to bring up LaSalle again, actually yeah. two years ago, late in the year. Um, they zoned us um, a whole chunk in that game. Mm-hmm. Um, and we ended up with, I think, upwards of 25 offensive rebounds in that game, all from little people being involved. Right. Um, all like, and it's like the little chase down things. It's just from being there. Yep. Um, we were able to get a lot of those. Gotcha. So, yeah. so shifting into kind of how you like implemented this within the team, I feel like that's right. The idea is great, like you said, but how did you guys kind of go about showing the team was it film first was it on the floor showing the entire thing was it the part whole part whole part whole whatever how did you guys kind of go about uh showing the team and introducing that concept 
Yeah, so we're kind of a little fortunate because we were able to get some access to some teams doing it from Australia that we were able to do. And, and we also had a couple of our players that um, had used that system before when they were, when oh, they were down there. Okay. So we had two players that were at least familiar enough with it. They hadn't, hadn't done a lot of it, but familiar enough. Um, so that part was a little bit helpful as well. Um, it was good. We were able to show girls doing it. Like that's not um, yeah. often the case. Like sometimes it might be, hey, we're trying to do something and I've seen a men's team do it. And this is what we do. Like this was girls roughly their age. Um, so that was really helpful. Yeah. Um, so we showed some film on it and then we kind of broke down. Like really it's, it's three principles, right? It's like you, your first movement has to be forward on a shot. Mm-hmm. So that's like your first movement. You're getting to the high side of whoever's guiding you. And then you're battling that out. And then the follow-up is the, is the plugging piece and how you guard the ball. So um, we kind of showed all that. Um, we kind of put together a bit of a PowerPoint presentation. Okay. Our kids are nerds. They love that stuff. Yeah. Um, I think we're dorks, but they, they, they love it. Um, so we showed them some of that. And then we really just walked through on the floor kind of what 50-50 and what high side looks like from everywhere. So, hey, like if shot went out from here, where's high side? And then we drilled that a little bit of just like, hey, like if shot comes up from here, this is this is where we need to get to. Let's get to this. This would now be what that looks like. Did a little bit of scrumming from that. And then we did a lot of um, kind of 3v3, 4v4 kind of areas of like, hey, all right, shot's gone up. Maybe a shot's come from an advantage. Shot goes up. Here we are. Let's tag up and then let's plug and, uh, and slow the ball. So, Can you talk about yeah. scrumming a little bit? Yep. Just like what that kind of entails is that just fighting for the rebound essentially yeah so so kind of scrum like and and we don't love the word but we haven't really come up with a better word for it but that's the word that, that aaron's used with okay. his group but, and scrum is a rugby, rugby term yeah right so and really it's a battle between two groups right uh, a physical battle and so um really the scrumming piece is ideally side by side so like you've got to the high side of someone and now you're trying to move them in a direction away from where they want to go okay so that's towards the side so like if i'm getting high side and this is over here my defender's here well i'm trying to move them in this direction to create more space in the high side area okay for that ball to go into okay so that's that theory you want to create the space that's the area you want to create and that's how you avoid over the back fouls too right because you're yeah because you're not going over the back you're to the side of someone so if you're coming from the baseline right like in theory, a scrum would be pushing someone out under the hoop. Right. So that would be pushing them out under the hoop. Well, a rebound's not going out, like, out of bounds that way. It's going towards the middle of floor. So that's kind of the concept of, like, hey, where most rebounds go, Mm -hmm. that's where we are as a collective five people. Gotcha. So you would do just one-on-one, like, bait, like, literally. Yeah, we did some one-on-one, just kind of like, yeah, a little little bit of kind of fighting in that realm. And then. um, That got pretty competitive or what? Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, like we got a couple of kids that like to play pretty physically and yeah. like the uh, several of our Australian kids have played Australian football, Australian rules football in their life. And so they're like hitting people. And um, so it kind of <laughs> comes pretty naturally to, to some of them. And, and a couple of our American kids are, are pretty tough physical players too. So um, so they, they like that stuff. Um, we didn't do much of it. Um, mm-hmm. Like I think they got the point for the most part with that. Yeah. Um, it was then, yeah, how do you address the the plugging and those kind of things. And so when we rep the plugging piece, um, really our goal for that is that we want to slow the ball enough that the ball is the last thing to cross halfway. So, so that's kind of the goal, right? Like if you can be there where you've got five, five plugs, you're here, you've got someone guarding the ball and the ball is the last thing that crosses halfway. That's that's our goal. 
Um, and, and we kind of had some fun with it our first year. Like um, it, it was very, it was very different, obviously. And it was kind of funny because teams would like, they would think we're pressing and like, I wouldn't call what, what that is pressing, right. right? Like we're, we're not trying to steal a ball from you. Like we're not like, right. we're just trying to slow you down. Yeah. And a lot of people would bring like so many people back into the backcourt. So did everyone out. Was like, we're not trying to steal, but like we're literally just like squishing. Like right. as you go, like this is on you. Um, and we had some teams, there were a couple of teams that year. I won't name names, but um there was one team that year that had a point guard that super athlete, like yeah. unbelievable athlete who like, she ended up taking like 35 dribbles on like three or four possessions to start the possession right? because she was so uncomfortable with like getting to where she wanted to get to and mm-hmm. what that would look like and being able to get an offense from there. Um, our first game actually was uh, that we, that we put it in. Uh, we played Georgetown. Okay. Um, first, first regular season game that year. So no one had seen it. Mm-hmm. And their point, their point got actually like tapped out in the fourth quarter, like couldn't go anymore, like was cramping and like couldn't deal with it, like in that mm-hmm. game. And that was fine. Like we were kind of in a spot, we'd be good. And, and we like blew that team out yep. and we're like, okay, like we got something here. Like this is, this is kind of what it looks like. So when so, they, when the players, right, they feel that they feel this. Oh yeah. They feel you all the time. The buy-in. Can you talk about that and how, like, if players don't buy in, like, it's not going to work, right? Realistically, how, how did you kind of, from the first season maybe to now that you're doing it, how have you kind of been able to get players to buy in sooner? Was whether it's a way you're teaching or is it ultimately just that success from doing it early on that they feel like, oh, this this works? Yeah. So the unique thing, we didn't really have a single freshman play this past year for us. We only had one come in and she tore her ACL before the season started. So everyone this last year had done it before. I, I do think that there's still a couple of players that just uh, didn't fully like understand it. And that they regret, like, I, I think they've moved on to a point where like, once again, it was, di- it was very different. Yes. Um, and it's hard. Like there, there's right. some elements to that too. And it's hard when you, when you got seven players, like it's, it's hard to do that over and over. And um I think at times they didn't see the success out of it enough. Right. Um, I, I think that's the thing. Like if, if you get to, and going five on five against it, mm-hmm. I think if you're, if you're on the receiving end of it, yeah, I think you pretty quickly buy into this being something you should be doing. Right. Right. Like if you're the point guard and you get that ball and you're used to just taking it up the court and doing your own thing. And there's someone right there with you, yeah. there's plugs, you're getting like, you're, you're feeling them that whole time. I think there's buying pretty quickly with that right. piece. Yeah. Um, and it, and I think the other part is like just reminding them, them of what the alternative is. Right. So like <laughs> as much as there's, there's a like difficulty, there's a toughness that you have to have to those rebounding contests and, and an attention to detail to make sure you're finding your tag every time your first foot forward, all those kind of things. The alternative is, is that you're sprinting your ass back and right. now you're scrambling. You don't know who you got. Now we're, we're freaking pointing this way. We're doing this yeah. or that. We have to communicate yeah. crazily. We have to do all these things like, Hey, like right. do you want to do that instead? Well, like, I think this is a better option for you. Right. So, and the ball, right. And when you get back in transition D like, right. So coaches were, we're all like, and I'm guilty of it too. Like get back, get set right now. I'm standing there and I'm standing and I'm waiting and now I'm picking up a ball. That's coming full speed at me. How am I stopping that ball? Right. There's yeah, no it's, momentum. It's yeah. yeah. 
Okay. Yeah, and I think that's part of it. And, and to me, I, I think I think our lack of preparation this year um, in terms of like any form of preseason where we were able to have multiple players on the court in the same workout yeah. um, combined with lack of numbers um, kind of limited our ability to really kind of like do that. Like mm-hmm. I think we'll, we'll have – 12, at least 12 people I think we can play this year like oh, wow. okay. legitimately yeah. that we can cycle through and come in waves and like if you're throwing these people out and they're just grinding teams down that way and yeah. we can press like we can add pre- like once again you're up there you can run and jump you can do a range of different things right. um, from being up there like I think that probably next year is going to be the litmus test on how effective the system is going to be for us right and maybe not this year but maybe last year how did you kind of keep players accountable to this did you stat anything in practice or through games like attempted you know to get on the they got on the high side check mark right or was there any way that you kind of held players accountable or were able to kind of see who was kind of doing it more so than others other than just your eyes watching yeah so in the moment we didn't do much of that um in their like post-game film um a few times as a as a whole group would show hey this like this is a good tag up this is a bad tag up this is where it didn't really go well hey, here's some individuals that just aren't tagging up as much as they should, whatever that that piece looks like. Um, And and then I I think that there were some moments, some different games were like, hey, we didn't do a good job of this. Like, Mm -hmm. all right, let's like, let's stat this game and and count how many people did a good job. Gotcha. Right, like how many people actually did like tagged up. Right. And to me, if you get three of the five do a good job, as long as one of those people is the one that ends up on the ball, yeah. you're generally not getting scored on. Right. Gotcha. That, that's kind of, that's, that's been kind of now, obviously mm-hmm. most of the time you have four and five out of five, hopefully at least get to right. the point. And I think some of the holding them accountable piece is this next year or two really challenging them to be a little bit more physical okay. um, in the offensive rebounding side of that equation. Gotcha. So I think, and some of it was like, as I said, we, we, we had a couple of really talented players that didn't play this year that have a good amount of athleticism, a good feel for offensive rebounding the ball, two of which were top five rebounders in, in the respective previous years playing in our conference that didn't play this year. And so I think some numbers are impacted by that. Um, but yeah, I think that's where we need a little bit more accountability as we move forward with this too. It's like, hey, let's let's really like we're doing this for a reason. Let's right. let's put some pressure that way too. Would you guys, would you say that this is kind of part of your identity now? Like, you know, at Davidson, like you're known, like you guys are going to stick with this, you think for, for the long run here? I think, I think so. Like, I think what it does, um, we're not going to be the most athletic team in our conference. Like that is just not, no chance that's ever going to happen. And I think it's a really nice way for us to neutralize um, some of that speed and quickness that other teams have. Um, And I, but I do think we're a team that, over the coming years has the potential to have a good amount of depth um, that we can do stuff like that pretty well. Um, We're not somewhere that takes transfers and, um, and has to like kids don't transfer from Davidson. We don't have trans like, um, we don't have, we just don't have like transition in our program like that. And so you can build an identity with a group that lasts a long time, that there's this knowledge throughout the group on what this feels like, what this looks like. And, to me, that goes to the offensive side of the ball to us as well. Like how we want to play, that's what it looks like. We don't really run sets. We, everything's very conceptual that we do. Um, 
team players can grow in that system and get yeah. better as it goes really yeah. well. So I do think that that's something it's, there's a grittiness to it as well. There's right. just, I, th I think that that matches how we want to be as a program. Right. And then obviously, right. Like you're probably going to try and recruit to that. Like if you want to do right, you want to be a team that tags up. It's important to be able to recruit to that system too, right. As much as you want to adapt to your personnel, you guys think that that's probably a smart route too, in terms of we want a certain, like we want that physicality piece to it as well. Or do you think it's something that can more so be taught? I, I think it's a bit of both, right? Like I think that we probably, we're probably in the mold that we have prioritized rec like recruiting the offensive side of the ball. Right, and right. I think, and, and I think we've recruited a lot of length too mm -hmm. and, and length and shooting. And yeah. I think that we, we are going to be like potentially exposed from an individual defense standpoint at times. Right. We're not like, right. You can't have it all though. Right. Yeah. yeah like you can't have it all. Right. And yeah. so like to me that the tagging up version, like yeah. that's something where as a collective group, mm -hmm. we can slow teams down. We can take the transition side, like phase out of the game. Right. Obviously that's the most effective um, offensive segment of basketball, most efficient side. Yeah. And then with us having people start their offense much later in the shot clock, we'll have less time to, to start right. to pick apart things, pick apart players when you're starting offense at 15 seconds on the shot clock, because it's taking you 10 seconds to advance the ball and five to figure out where you want to be. Right. So right. like, I think that's a little bit of it as well. Yeah. Um, that, uh, and I, I do think probably the size element of not having too many small guards yeah. um, is, is the one that will we'll probably be right. um, kind of most focused on just like being wary of. Because in a perfect like, world, right, you could switch one through five. doesn't matter who you have in transition and now you're yeah, six. Yeah, I think, and we're not going to be a program, like there's just not that many good bigs out right. there, right? So like where are you finding, and we've got a, we've got a great one right now in yep. Australian good Adelaide Fuller that's, that's kind of six three and, and probably different to the others. Yep. But that's probably going to be an anomaly. Like there's just not right. that many floating around. And so yep. Yep. The, the thought that we're going to be playing a, a decently mobile six one six two kid at the five spot is pretty and realistic. Fits, but that's but something that, that can be, and it, it fits our offense as well. And so I think that from a recruiting standpoint, that's something that, that will be um, what we'll be looking at moving forward. Yeah. Now this has been awesome. Um, I want to get into a quick little segment that I end off all the podcasts with. You didn't have any of these questions beforehand coming up, but yeah, we'll okay. a quick hitter segment. So first one, nice and easy. Favorite yeah. city to recruit in? As you know, I'm in my first year. I'm going to be recruiting for the first time this summer. I know you said you recruit a little bit. Obviously, you go back to Australia, back over to Europe. But favorite city, regardless, could be America, international, wherever. Yeah, I love to be at the Australian National okay. Championships. Okay. I, I, I really like those. And it's just the, the vibe's cool. Like, you're mm -hmm. not having to go from court to court. Like, there's two courts, usually those things. Okay. Um, I like the food. They're normally in good spots. Good friends. I like that piece. Yeah. Um, Give me an American one. What an American city. <laughs> I haven't done a whole lot of them. Like, okay. to be honest, like, I, I think out of all the ones I've done, I probably like Atlanta. Okay. Um, I think that obviously that's like usually second half of July is the whole chunk in Atlanta. Right. Um, that, that one, I don't mind. So. Okay. All right. Next one. Thoughts on the three-point line moving back? I know that's been like the huge controversy of – uh, the men's line. So I don't know about your team, but we found that our players, I think we tracked it in the beginning of the season, like over half of their shots were being taken from the men's line anyway, but we were like, get up to the line. Like they wouldn't, it was like, 
just the mental because our line is lighter and then the men's line was darker. I don't know if it was the illusion of that, but what are your thoughts uh, on, on the, just moving the three-point line back and making it just consistent? I think my general philosophy on, on all that stuff, mm-hmm. like this world game. So like this, this is a world game. This is we're preparing people like right. to play overseas, to do all these things, like preparing teams to play in the Olympics and, yep. and what and whatnot and, and those kind of things. And to me, I think having a universal rule system across what basketball is is uh, is probably my preference. Right. And obviously, the men's line is the FIBA line, yep. and so. That's kid, any kid that we're recruiting internationally. That's what they're shooting on normally. Um, any, any I guess you're a little biased. That, uh, question, yeah. Yeah, and so so I, I think that, that like that's my preference, and yeah. I don't honestly don't care where the line is. Right. I just think that uniformity um, throughout all of basketball, and I don't really care whether the NBA wants to have a longer line or whatever. That's that's their own thing. But I think like FIBA World Championships, all that kind of thing. Like I think having a uniform line is probably the way to go. Gotcha. All right. Moving to the defensive side of the ball here. Favorite way to guard, you know, a side pick and roll, wing ball screen, whatever you want to call it. Ice, hedge, or to go under? Oh, out of those three. Ice, yeah. You can put them in order. Put them in order. What, like, what would be your go-to? Let's assume we have an average shooter, right? Average shooter. Uh, can knock down a three, but you'll dare or two maybe. Ice, hedge, go under. I think my default on that would be to go under. Okay. Um, I think with the one thing I've noticed a little bit is like teams are getting better at kind of rolling those kids in a little bit, and mm-hmm. I don't think the officials are calling that super well. Like I think when that's you, a really you mean tough like thing. Rolling the post rolling on top yeah, of yeah, like post rolling rolling on top of that kid going under. Like that's something that at times I saw a lot this year that I was just like that's not allowed. But right. I think re- referees have a lot of trouble figuring that piece out. Yeah. Uh, Jeez. Have you guys done any icing at all? Or We've done a little, so yeah, so we actually we iced one side of the floor this year. Okay. Um, I like I like that. Um, okay. And we've hedged in the past. Like I think that, yeah, really, the, like I would put both of those at two uh, A and two B. Okay, that's fair. Right. Yeah, I, for me too. Like, I mean, going under, I just right, you keep it, you kind of keep it a two man game for the most part. Um, you don't have to bring any other help and whatnot too. And, and yeah, I think the one, the one thing with the going under piece and, and uh, like we, we went under a, a decent chunk this year as well. And yeah. um, like, to me, the biggest thing, you watch it in film and you're like, okay, like this team got on, tried to go under, but they got like diced up and like right. guarding, the guarding the ball piece initially yeah. is something that's really important. Like you're guarding the ball, right. then you're under is at a different spot. Like they're having to come get you. Right. They're able to slide under and get to that spot. And I think that that's something that that's maybe missed, like often not taught well enough yeah, um, or not understood well enough is that, yo, like if you want to do that, like you actually have to guide right. people. Like, you think right. you're just going to like slide under and slide. And some of that comes because you watch the NCAA tournament and see some of these teams that like, Right. at the, the ACC level or whatever that like these kids just can't shoot the ball at they all. Do. I know. And yeah. like they They're just so got strong. in from freaking the, the eight, yeah. like the logo, but yeah. I don't think you can, you can do, yeah. I don't think that's a small way to, to yeah. go. For our team too. I found that. And also like just me coaching, obviously I want to get better at just 
like the sense of urgency to get under two. Like, I feel like sometimes, you know, we say go under and they just kind of go under slow. And then if you're smart on the offensive end, right, just keep attack it hard. You're going to beat her to the spot. And I was like, you got to get back square. Like, I feel like they would be, we'd be almost lagging to get underneath the screen yeah. and kind of cut at the hip and forced to open up instead of getting under and getting back to back to square. I don't know what your thoughts are on that. That's about being like evasive too. Like you gotta be a little bit evasive and right. like, and understand that like, once again, these are, five people actions. Yeah. So there's someone buying you some time in certain elements and there's mm -hmm. certain things that are much harder for people to buy you time with. And, um, that's hard. That's yeah, like, I, I think, Dude, shooting that? from behind this, like, that's a tough shot. Oh, yeah. Oh, like it just, terrible. yeah. Like people don't do it. Like, I think we, we actually started at one point this year and it's like, all right, like these kids, even they're, they're even though they're great shooters, like they've hit two of them on the year. Right. <laughs> like, right. Behind a ball screen. Like yep. that's just not easy. And, like particularly it's in, in transition, right? Someone's coming down in trains and it's an early ball screen. And like how many coaches are, are pretty good with a kid shooting a semi-contested pull-up from the three-point line of someone going on the ball screen at 23 on the shot clock. Right. Um, you're kind of daring yep. their their will a little bit. Gotcha. Yeah. Last one I got for you. Overrated or underrated one-on-one -on -one drills in practice. What are your thoughts on one-on-one -on -one drills? Underrated. Okay. Uh, with a caveat. Yeah. That those drills have some form of constraints involved. Okay. Give me give me an example of maybe one. So that like whether it's uh, like I I think one on one from slight advantages are really good. Yeah. I think um, one on one with constraints over areas, constraints over number of dribbles you can take. Yeah. Like I think all those things very underrated. Yeah. I think just like handing a ball to someone and saying, go, go play. Right. Um, I don't think it's deliberate enough. Yeah. Like I think there's, and particularly with the way we play, like we don't want to encourage that. Like if you're, if you're neutral and someone's gotten you one V one, well, let's get something that creates you an advantage some, mm -hmm. some other way. Yeah. Um, and so I think the way we play, it's probably not how we would do things. Yeah. So. Do you guys do a ton of three on three, just like, cause of the FIBA, like just from you bringing over the FIBA stuff a little bit? Or yeah, we'll, we'll do, um, I would say we'll do a lot of like four v four advantage stuff. Um, like when we're layering together, like our receiver spot type things, that kind of stuff yeah. um, in our postseason, um, especially we focus a lot on the three on three piece. Yeah. Um, so we, we, we play twice a week. We play the FIBA games. They must um, love that, got, the kids, right? Yeah, they love it. And, it, and part of it too, like when you got these international kids, so we got, we'll have five internationals on our team next year and that kind of thing. But like, that's a legitimate form of basketball. Right. It's going to be in the Olympics, yeah. right? Like that's actually going to be in the Olympics come yeah. July this year, that three on three basketball is a thing. And so awesome. um, that's a viable pathway for these kids to be playing and making money, right? Like there's yeah. really good money in the, in the 3v3 or a 3x3 basketball. And, and so exposing them to some of that, we're actually um, our camps this year, we, we've done some of it in the past in our camps, but our camps this year, will have a, a layer of that too this year where, where for our team camp, we'll be playing some three X three and that kind of stuff too. It's, to it's great that, for conditioning. To it's that just, idea from you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's just fun. Like, and unfortunately the last couple of weeks, it's had to be coaches versus players. So we to get out there and, and do that, but <laughs> the kids love it. And yeah. um, one of our players actually played in the youth Olympics um, three on three uh, the year before she, she came to us. And mm -hmm. um, yeah, I think it's, it's just a fun way to play.
Nice. All right. To wrap things up, my final question for you again, coach, thank you so much for taking the time to uh, talk to me and kind of educate me a little bit more on this. I do appreciate it. Uh, My last question for you would be in terms of a staff trying to implement a new concept, something that they've never taught before, right? A brand new idea. There's probably a little bit of that hesitation of, you know, what if they don't buy in or the questions or just not feeling totally confident um, in terms of what you're teaching. What kind of advice would you give to a staff that's trying to implement a new idea? Maybe it doesn't go well right away to kind of hang on and to keep staying consistent with it as opposed to just tossing it out the window right away the first time it doesn't look great. Yeah, I think it's like, like, and part of it is like practice is meant to be like messy, right? Like there's meant to be an element of it. Otherwise we just wouldn't, we wouldn't be doing it. But I think there's, there's probably two elements to it, right? Like there's certain things you're going to try that are less consequential that are like, Hey, like, let's try this. Let's try this read in this action or whatever. Some of that kind of stuff is just like feel and play and, and kind of work through it. Maybe it's just like, yeah, you know what? I was, I was wrong on that. Like, well, right. let's, let's kind of do it this way. And I that's think almost right. That Sorry to interrupt you. That's almost part of it. Like as a, as a coach, sometimes it's hard to be like, Ooh, like I was wrong or like to be afraid of it, not being right. Right. Like, or not looking great. Yeah. And I think that that's part of like, there's an element where we expect that out of our players. Right. So we expect our players to be able to communicate that way. Like, Hey, that was my bad on this one. Like I gotta be here and be that. Like mm-hmm. if that's not being modeled for them in some way, like if we think everything we say and do is the perfect thing, mm-hmm. like, I don't know how you expect your players to be able to communicate in a way that's like helpful. It's like, you know what? Like I, I saw it differently there, but like, let's do it this way. So I think there's little things where it's like that. I think for something big, like, Hey, this is the offense we're going to run. This is the offensive system. This is, Hey, this is how we're going to play defense. This is tagging up. Like, I think you got to put a lot of time into thinking through and communicating as a staff, what that looks like, how are we going to do it? What are the questions going to be? Um, and then like, I think we spent a lot of time in our, uh, our conference room is a, a really, um, vibrant area for us as a coaching staff. We spent a lot of time in there. Like my head coach, Gail never really even goes into her office. She just sits in a conference room, which is on the way to our offices. And that's, cool. and that's just kind of a melting pot of where, where we spend a lot of our time. Right. Um, but I think talking through that stuff as a group, getting down on court, working through it. Um, if you have the opportunity, try it on some people. So Maybe it's a concept that you can try in a couple of individual workouts or a small group, or uh, if you've got a scout team that you're like, hey, let's try to teach this to the scout team and see how this goes. Maybe it's, hey, you don't have a summer session. You've got some camp kids you want to try some things on. Mm-hmm. Hey, let's try this drill. Let's see how that goes. Um, I think that's the way to do it so that it gets, you get some of those kicks out, you get some of those answers. But to me, the biggest thing is being able to answer why, <laughs> right? So like, if you can answer your why, yep then that's the thing. So like if a kid goes, well, I, I don't get like, I don't get the high side thing. I don't, I don't get that piece. Like this is different to what I normally do. Well, if you can't communicate your why that, Hey, this is a, this is a system to end offense, start defense to take all of the gray out of everything we do from a defensive transition standpoint, it's going to allow us to, to put pressure on the ball and it's going to not kind of take away from our offensive rebounding. If you're succinct like that, and they're like, oh, okay, like, yeah. I get that. Okay. And any rebuttal to that, it's like, okay, well, like, we've thought about that, right? Like, we've thought about that. And yes, you're right. But we think this is the way that this needs to happen yeah. for these reasons. So I think that there's, there's obviously those discussions that have to be had. I think talking to some outsiders too, mm-hmm. um, 
and so hey like all right so like we're teaching this what would you say like what would your first reaction be and right. i think all of your questions today were, were fantastic questions in terms of yeah like those are things you have to think about right, right? like all right well what are the consequences <laughs> what are some of the trade-offs that those are things that are real in the game of basketball um so i i, I think that's probably my advice is like make sure everyone is on the same page everyone understands it um we're a staff that we feel like everyone has to be able to do everything. So it's not like we've got a coach that's just recruiting. That's just doing that. Like you got to coach, you got to be able to coach everyone. You can't coach everyone. That just doesn't, doesn't play out. And so we spend a lot of time, um, if not 40% of our week, spending time together, getting on the same page with everything. We can do. Thank you guys for tuning in to today's episode of the Backyard Buckets podcast. If you did enjoy it, be sure to leave a rating, leave a review. Let me know what you thought of the episode. Feel free to reach out and connect with me. I love learning from literally anybody. It doesn't matter if you're a player, coach, support staff. I want to connect with you. I want to learn. So feel free to reach out. And uh, I hope you guys did enjoy the episode. Again, be sure to reach out to Coach James Jansen as well. He is awesome. I learned a ton and I can't wait to uh, finally connect with him hopefully over the summer. If you haven't already, be sure to check out the Backyard Buckets newsletter. I've been on it in terms of being consistent and putting those out weekly. So make sure you check that out. That's going to be in the description below if you want more X's and O's breakdowns, player breakdowns, all that kind of stuff. I love watching films, so I just put those together and uh, put them out there for anyone who's interested. But uh, I will see you guys next week for the next episode of the Backyard Buckets podcast. Have a great weekend.